Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Astro Weed. What is that? My favorite new follow on Instagram. Everyone needs to go follow Astro underscore Weed, which is spelled with threes instead of E's. Okay. So it's Astro underscore W33D. Yes. And it's horoscopes that are written from a stony hazy perspective by our friend Mary Carrion at Mary Stardust on IG. And I don't know. It's just great. They're like spot on. I love, they, like, they feel very in sync with... Um, the like world everything that i'm experiencing i'm you know like i've got my area set up in the mornings to do my card pulls and everything and then i sometimes like scroll my horoscope as well and i always check astroweed and um also this other wonderful astrologer named chris corsini who does instagram videos where he'll tell you your reading with card pulls and he does asl at the same time cool yeah I saw you post one of hers about a Virgo in full moon yes. and it was really well written and the design was sexy. Like she's doing a very cool thing on IG. It was the new moon in Virgo. And then this week she's got the full moon in Pisces. And I just want to read a little bit because I love her writing. Natro is currently, Natro, see my brain is like, I'm doing that thing where I, I read ahead and then I stitch two words together because what I meant to say was Neptune is currently retrograde, ah. but I said Neptro. So Neptune is currently retrograde in Pisces, adding depth to these dreamy, foggy qualities. You should know that your vision will likely be blurred right now, even if you can see underwater well. Things may not be what they appear. The moments of profound clarity that occurred around the new moon may seem like a distant dream now, but it won't stay this way forever, so just flow with it. Are you finding that these things are giving you clarity in your own life yes, day to day? they are. That's fucking awesome, Mary Jane. It's helpful. You know, I mean, I think that the, the greatest thing about astrology and tarot and any of these sort of tools that we have, they're not necessarily tools for divination. They're just great reminders, you know? Well, you said when I walked in, you were like, be warned, this is a very witchy house today. And then you listed <laughs> off all the reasons why it's a... Uh, Solstice, it's, full moon, I have my period. That's about <laughs> as witchy as you can get. That's the triumvirate of witch. It's definitely, there's some, there's some juju flowing around here. Yeah. 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 Well, what up, witch Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Good. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy. Cannabis. Culture. Cooking. Calling shit out. And, um... Castrology. Connect connection. Connection. To bigger things. Yeah. And so, that's what I'm loving about astrology and tarot is that, you know, it's like, you know, whether or not you're, you're trying to sort of like see what may be coming it doesn't really even matter. It's just a great reminder to take stock of what's happening in the now. And like, for instance, I did a card pull the other day and I was like, oh, this is a kind of a weird upsetting card. And then I did a little bit of investigating into it because I don't know much about it yet. So I'm just consulting books and I consulted a book about it and it was like, this could mean a difficult person. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm going to go out into the world today prepared to perhaps encounter someone who I find difficult. And lo and behold, I did. And I was prepared to encounter that person. And because I was prepared for it, I was able to come to the meeting with a bit of m more loving kindness and mindfulness and all that kind of stuff rather than being like immediately a bunch of prickles, which I normally would be. I would be like, ah, oh, no, that person that I have a hard time with and I turn into like a porcupine. Yes. You know? So really for you, astrology is a way to 
start the day and then if something bubbles up from that notion, yeah. it's already in the back of your mind. So now it can come to the forefront and you can make choice on it. It's just a ton of good reminders to, yeah, like stop and think before you act mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, consult whatever it is that the stars may hold for you. And that will help you, um, you know, just construct your day in a more mindful way. I'm so glad you found something like this that is just like a a way to wake up. It's helpful for me right now, I'll tell you what, for being in the now because I uh, was just talking to my sister's partner uh, and we were talking about preparing for the celebration of her life and I was saying it's very hard for me to look at a lot of pictures right now because I can feel myself sinking when Mm. I do that. This being in the now is keeping me afloat right now in this time where I think... um, it could be very easy for me to sink into some of the grief that I that I have that is around me. Um, so this is like a little water wings for that uh, situation. That's you know? fucking awesome. This astrology and tarot and all of these things. Cosmic that water wings? Yeah, like God the rituals damn, of lighting candles and burning sage and being outside and all of these things that I'm doing for myself are cosmic water wings to navigate the ocean of grief. <laughs> I am so glad to get there with you. That's what this is about for me. <laughs> yeah. Dialing it in. One I mean, sentence to explain it, exactly what it is to have like a little bit of a, a cosmic jaunt at the top of the morning. Truly. it's The world is a very, you know, tricky place, especially right now for almost everyone who is alive. And if you find something that helps you navigate, then n- no shame in whatever that is. And if it happens to be like you know, something that's a little woo-woo and maybe something that I would, I think I would have cast some aspersions on at a different point in my life and been like, oh, you know, just go to therapy and talk about your feelings and that's the way to deal with it. But it's it's not necessarily the only way to deal with it. A little woo and a little magic sometimes so then can from, help. For our guest today and myself, uh, Nishant and I, when yeah. I was talking to him about you know, how you handle the world. And he was like, weed. So for folks like him and I, like weed is our water wings. Yes. Anything that helps you fucking live yeah you know keep you afloat exactly right. a water wing yeah i'm obsessed with this now that's yeah. such a cool way to just think of the things that work for you yeah so thank you little floats yeah because i'm smoking this woods right now and i love it the i love woods. it i love it i love it that's the sativa from a golden state yeah and our guest nishant is co-founder and ceo of a golden state which is just this incredible cannabis company here in california it was yeah. like such a cool time to like catch up with him because right when a golden state launched we went to this amazing dinner in malibu for the celebratory party to sort of introduce the whole thing well that's what a fucking launch is but anyway we went to the <laughs> I'm like, let me explain what a launch is. It's a celebratory party to introduce everyone to the concept of the brand. She can't read, but when it's in her own head, she goes way too far, way too long. She uses way too many words for really simple ideas. Um, Anyway, we went to the launch party, and then we got to know Nishant and his co-founder, Simone, and then interviewed them a while back and then it was cool to like check in with Nishant again so yeah and he gave yeah we got this the woods which is I hadn't had before it's really lovely I it's love pretty, it it does feel like a bit of a walk in the woods it's got that piney well for me it's nice like a note. it's like a two puff every two hour situation mm-hmm. which is all I want because this is a strong daddy so I feel like if I just smoked it down to the bones mm-hmm. I would not be where I want to be but two puff every two hour for me keeps me floating and riding the wave that I need to ride to stay present and get the shit done. Nice. It's like a daytime smoke too. It's, it is like a walk in the woods in the daytime. It's not that nighttime, like creepy woods. It's like daytime (laughs) 
cool, awesome, you know, comforting woods with the hush of the wind and you're not feeling like something's going to eat you. Yeah, it would be funny if there was a woods and it was mids and it just like made you only think about all the regrets you've made within the last 24 hours. Yeah, and and just like something hiding under every log, (laughs) metaphorically, that's going to fucking bite and or sting you. That's not this. That's not this. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good time in the daytime woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's Mushroom Day, too, while we're recording this, right? Yep. 9-20, Monday 9-20, uh, Magic Mushroom Day, which was established pretty recently. You know, we've got 4-20, obviously, and Oil Day is 7-10, and Bicycle Day, which is, you know, 4-20, and all these different things. So it's Mushroom Day... It's better than day. National Blueberry Day. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad to have national holidays that have to do with psychedelics yeah. instead of waffle cones on... August 4th or whatever the fucking bullshit is. It's great. It's to um, basically promote knowledge around the healing powers and benefits of psilocybin. It's not just about like everybody going trip balls, man. It's really about (laughs) like moving toward decriminalization. So more people have access to the therapeutic, you know, aspect of it. And also, yeah, just for everyone who loves microdosing or any, any kind of relationship with the mushrooms, like we do. Yes, I do. Yes. Love it. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who texts me um, every time she microdoses and just lets me know what she's doing, what she's up to and sends a pic. And I just, it's the best update in the world. That's sweet. Yeah. I like when somebody's on drugs and they think of me. Isn't that nice? It feels really good. I think yeah. that's like a top reach out for me. A drug check-in, a high check-in. Yeah, thinking of you, and I'm so happy right now. It's so, that's yeah. That's a nice check-in. That's, I actually just had one because it's Magic Mushroom Day. I reposted that video that I made for Scapegoat Carnival, The Prophecy. I did a primordial prophecy, which was a short sort of psychedelic video about a woman who drinks mushroom tea that we filmed at your apartment. Thank you. You're welcome. And our friend Earth shot and edited it and did an amazing fucking job. And I just reposted it. And our friend Mason on IG reached out and was like, I'm so fucking high right now. And I just watched this and I don't really know what to say, but thank you. And I was like, fuck yes. That's all, that's all we could hope for. Yes. Is appealing to someone that this tickles your brain in the right way when you're feeling like elevated in whatever way. That's it. Yeah. And before we get to the news, there's a lot of people who are doing that reach out yes uh federally so do you want to get to the news yes all right by the way did you know that our news is brought to you by ocb rolling papers the grublet gazette is presented by ocb rolling papers the largest rolling paper brand in the world crafted naturally since 1918 ocb offers a full line of plant to puff papers made with sustainable fibers farmed from within a 310.686 mile radius of their facility in france which is powered by 100 percent green energy in 2020 ocb rolled out america's first ultra thin slow burning bamboo rolling papers and cones they're even burning no tear gmo free and vegan Good for your lungs. Nice for the roll. Not all rolling papers are created equal. OCB offers a premium smoking experience that we call Harmony on High. Uh, ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers and sample the entire line of products. And please visit OCBUSA.com and give them a follow on Instagram at OCB underscore USA. And as we get towards holiday season, there is no better stocking stuffer. If you can roll really well, get some papers. If you can't roll yet, get some cones. But share the wealth <laughs> By putting them in a stocking this holiday season. Great call for anyone in your life who loves weed. So our news story, the Grubble Gazette this week, is uh, reported all over the place. I'm reading it from Leafly. And the story is that the Cannabis Reform Advocacy Group, the Weldon Project, which was formed by Weldon Angelos after he was um, released from prison for a 
cannabis offense. Uh, last week, his group, the Weldon Project, followed up on a March letter that was signed by a whole bunch of influencers and politicians to President Biden, urging Biden to deliver on his promise to pardon all nonviolent cannabis offenders. So this was just a reminder, basically, a follow-up. Hey, buddy, remember what you said during those debates? Yep. Remember when we wrote this letter in March and that letter was signed by artists like Drake, Lil Baby, Killer Mike, 2 Chains, Meek Mill, athletes like Al Harrington, Deion Sanders, Kevin Garnett, uh, political figures like Indiana State Senator Eddie Melton, and criminal justice activists like Weldon Angelos and Alice Johnson. Like There are a lot of signatures on this letter imploring Biden to keep the promise of releasing all of these nonviolent cannabis offenders. Um, and it's just you know a, a, a great reminder to us that this is ongoing day to day. Everyone has to do the work every single day. This um, event, this reminder event, was basically a, like an online sort of a virtual conference that was moderated by our friend Mona Zhang over at Politico. Hot episode dropping soon. Yep. And um, that's the story. It's just, you know, people out there doing the work to force uh, people to never stop thinking about what's going on, which is that there are people in prison while other people are profiting. I love that people in besides ourselves and just like human beings, like we've got now real celebrities reminding and holding the uh, political machine accountable. That's right. That's exciting. And that's exactly where we need to be. That's right. And it's, you know, the um, reminder too to me is that, you know, the people who are in prison, many of whom are serving these long sentences are living a daily reality watching this thing play out where people are launching brands and having parties with celebrities and smoking on the street legally and all this stuff and they're in prison for the same plant and yeah. it's really you know an, an, an insane fucking thing to even comprehend and it's hard to imagine what you can do if you don't have money so I wanted to mention um, we both wrote a letter through the Last Prisoner Project's uh, letter writing program. You can start correspondence with some of these people who are incarcerated, and it's just an awesome way to like brighten their day. You know, you want to I mean? talk about um, a, a a positive reach out. Mm -hmm. This is what that is for somebody else. Yeah, just just letting people know that you're thinking about them and you're thinking about what they're going through, and there are very specific uh, rules. It's actually really interesting. Of you're not like allowed how to, to use... get a letter into a prison. Yeah, ah, you, I, like okay. white paper only, no glitter or stickers. You can't use like crayon or marker. You can't um, use like uh, perfume, for instance. Um, you can't make a homemade greeting card. They will just stop it and it won't get to them. But all of the information is online, and you can just go to the lastprisonerproject.org and they've got a section under partners that is their letter writing program and it gives you ways to participate you can order a letter drive starter kit and it gives you letter writing prompts you know sort of like how to get, how do I talk to someone that I don't know right what can I say to them you know uh and it's just it's just a really great way to reach out especially if you don't have ways to contribute financially or you're you know not in a place where you can like give the time to volunteer like just take five minutes write a postcard that's beautiful yeah. and important. Yep. Man. Well, do you want to go from letter writing to Buds of the Week and sure. just dive right in? Let's do it. Cool. Okay. Do you want to go first or second on B-O-T-Ws? I can go first. I have a great Bud of the Week because our Bud of the Week wrote into us. Uh, and so I just want to read her DM. Uh, it's Lizzie Bones, whose uh, Instagram handle is at Lizzie underscore Bones. And Lizzie wrote, 
to both of us after she included our Delta 8 Splainer episode on our Patreon in her story this weekend and tagged us. And I just said, thank you so much. And she wrote back and she said, thank you. I live for the information and the conversation. I spend a lot of time snapping my fingers and yelling back to my speakers every time I listen. Every week I finally get to hear people having the conversations I'm trying to pull out of people all the time. It might be very gushy and I really have never thrown this term around, but I idolize what you guys do and I'll always take a moment to make that known. Uh, Lizzie, that Dang. like made my day, you know, I think and, and anyone reaching out to say anything nice anytime is always going to be a great thing. But that truly like hit me in a kind of like a vulnerable place. Cause I think, you know, when, when we make this podcast, like that's, that's exactly what we're hoping for. So thank you. I'm feeling gushy and uh, you're my butt of the week. Dang. That means so much. Mm-hmm. My butt of the week this week is Curtis Cook, who is at Curtis Cook comedy on Instagram. Great follow. Great comedian, great guy. So follow at Curtis Cook Comedy. He's a very politically active with very, uh, what's, is obtuse a good word for when your point of view is unexpected but makes a lot of goddamn sense? Obscure. Obscure, not obtuse. Obscure, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, A very obscure, hilarious, spot-on, educated point of view and a great comedian. And he's back on tour, so if you feel safe going out and you want to catch somebody who is a phenomenal headlining comic, uh, Curtis Cook, shout out to him and his brain. Amazing. Speaking of going on tour, uh, Mike, you have a show in St. Louis on October 7th. If you are in STL, you have to come. You have to come smoke with me behind the theater in the alley before mm-hmm. <laughs> I go in. Oh, wait, am I going to get in trouble in Missouri? No. Okay, good. <laughs> Not with me. Okay, cool. <laughs> come get arrested with me in an alley in Missouri right before Mike's show and really fuck his whole life up. <laughs> Maybe I'll cool it on the smoky in the alley. But anyway, come and see the show. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's at Helium Comedy Club on the 7th, right? Yeah, Thursday the 7th, 8 nice. o'clock. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get to our VIB, our very important bud? Our very important bud, Nishant Reddy. Just the best hang. Like, so uh, knowledgeable and warm and wonderful and just, like, the kind of person that you want to talk to for ages about everything under the sun. But we got to talk to him about, like, the state of cannabis in 2021 and more. Sustainability. Yes. Which is huge. I mean, when I took this uh, Woods pre-roll out of this package Mm -hmm. and I knew that it was also sustainable packaging. Yeah. Come on, yo. Yeah, the ethics and morals of business, which is, you know, really amazing. One of the points that he made right when we were sitting down to record was that all of Satya Capital, which is the investment firm that he is the CEO and co-founder of, as well as the Golden State and all other companies under that umbrella are all carbon neutral, which is pretty incredible. No carbon. (laughs) Carbon neutral. (laughs) Zero carbon. You heard it here first. No, carbon neutral. Anyway, (laughs) it was a great conversation with Nishant and um, I think we should check in with Nishant every so often just to see because he's got such a great vantage point um, as someone who's involved in, in in the biz. 100%. Thank you for joining us and without further ado, here is our interview with Nishant Reddy. So you're you're a founder, you're a CEO, you're a creator, you're a visionary, but you say that you put each of those hats on at different times to execute at each of those different levels. How do you how does your what does your day look like these days? Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, 
yeah, had a really great time last time. And, you know, I'm super glad that our friendship has only blossomed since that first podcast. And mm -hmm. glad to see you guys are, you know, safe and healthy and it's good to reconnect. Um, but no, to answer your question, my day is super dynamic. You know, I mean, we've grown a lot since we last spoke. Um, you know, we have our hands in a lot of different uh, pies, whether it's the expansion of our cultivations, you know, our brand of Golden State has only gotten larger. Um, we're now working on expanding into other states. Um, we have our flagship retail dispensary opening. So I think for me, what keeps the day fun is the fact that every single day is different. Every single day is stressful. Every single day is exciting. But I think that's why you become an entrepreneur, right? It's to just, you know, face all these challenges head on and problem solve and feel, hopefully feel proud about the things you're creating at the end of the day. So I want to get into some specifics about a golden state. But first, I'd love for you to give us an overview of the state of cannabis in 2021 from your vantage point, both at a California level and a federal level. Can you just tell us a little bit about like what is a snapshot of what's happening right now? You know, 2021 has been a crazy year, right? We're obviously coming off the heels uh, of the pandemic. Um, you know, there's been some really positive things that have happened. You know, cannabis in California being deemed an essential business has been tremendous, both in terms of, you know, supporting the growth and the profitability of companies, but also really, you know, delineating the fact that this is medicinal, right? That, you know, people need this and we need to be looked at differently. Um, and it's really a function of promoting health and well-being, regardless of what that means for every individual. At the larger landscape, you know, it's been exciting because I think the legalization movement has only exploded. You know, we have 17 recreational or 17 legal states at this point. Um, you're seeing legalization happening in the South, you know, like mm -hmm. if when we talked two, three years ago, I don't know if we would have necessarily anticipated that happening. Virginia. So quick. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, overall, I think it's really exciting. There's there's more competition. There's more innovation. You know, over 70% of the country at this point wants legalization. So I think directionally we're moving in the right way. Um, but this is, you know, this is a lifetime's change. So it's not just going to happen in three years. There's still a lot of minutia that needs to be solved, whether it's here in California or in any other state that has some form of legalization. But I think from my standpoint, overall, the trend is very positive. How do you have enough patience until everything gets where it needs to be? Because I'm losing my mind every <laughs> single day. Like, give me an indica to slow my roll. To because I'm learning how incremental like policy really is. <laughs> it's funny you said the indica comment because I was gonna say I, I work in weed. I, I get high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. You know, it, it is tough, right? It is tough. It is frustrating. You know, this past year you had the BCC, the CDFA, you know, merging to become like this new agency called, I think, the DCC or the DDC or something. <laughs> and then as a result of that, a, a ton of licenses in California got erased. You know, our, for example, our distribution company, all of a sudden we lost our license and we were like, wait, what just happened? You know, they had a computer glitch and we were without a license. Wow. So, um, you know, you guys obviously know my business partner, Simone, you can imagine the meltdown he had that day. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so I think this industry is not for the faint of heart. 
right? Whether you work in the industry, you know, if you're a founder in this industry, it is definitely not for the faint of heart, right? You have to absolutely believe in what you're doing and believe in the big picture and just fight the good fight every single day um, and hope you survive. You know, you do kind of have to cross your fingers and hope you survive because it really still is an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I I see in the industry is that anyone who's not truly dedicated to the cause of, you know, whatever they're backing with their business, if they're not willing to sort of lose it all, put it all out there and lose it all at any moment, they're really not going to survive. What is your drive? What keeps you going in the face of all of that Um, craziness? Yeah, no, I think, you know, again, like from the time I first met you guys, I don't think much has changed in terms of my drive. Like, I love what I do. I love cannabis. You know, I think we, the three of us, connected on that originally and have since connected on it many, many times. And I just think it's a it's an amazing plan. And to have the opportunity to work in this industry, to create within in this industry, and to really, you know, shape the way this country and society uses and views cannabis, it's powerful, right? And I think for me... I've had some amazing opportunities, you know, fighting for social justice, writing policy work, and just, it's exciting. It's Mm -hmm. really rewarding, and it's really exciting. And at the end of the day, I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot better than when I used to work on Wall Street. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not a single day that I don't wake up out of bed, and I'm stoked to go to work, regardless of how frustrating or challenging the day might actually be. Yeah. I have to imagine something like Wall Street teaches you a way to look at money, power, and goals that maybe the rest of the world doesn't have that same viewpoint because you could lose it all every single day or you could like triple up and just really have a wonderful Monday. It's got to be a wild like frame of mind to like have it inside your engine. It's super manic, right? Like it's super manic and you know, Simone and I often joke about this that we never really have the opportunity or take the time to pat ourselves on the back for the wins Mm. because you're always caught up in the stress of what you're trying to do. Like, again, the the BCC and the CDFA merge and suddenly you lose your license because they made a mistake. And now, you know, like just crazy stuff like that. Or, Mm -hmm. for example, we have a new cultivation we're trying to open up north. And all of a sudden, the, the local city says that they will no longer let us have a partial CFO. When this entire build process, they were like, you can have a partial CFO. We've historically done that. Just like that, they changed their policy. What right? does that mean exactly, a partial CFO? Yeah, so it basically means we would have a partial certificate of occupancy. So we would be able to fire up the cultivation um, before the entire cultivation was finished, which for us as a business is huge because say one of 10 cultivation rooms is ready, we can already start producing revenue and then phase the rest of the growth. Uh-huh. But, you know, we deal with these type of, you know, policy changes that just kind of happen. They're They're not... There's no like rhyme or reason as to why or what drove the change. And when you call them out on it, the answers you get are like, oh, we're just worried that the state might say something, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're not thinking about how does this impact this business? How does it impact the employees of this business? Like you're taxing us, but you're not actually supporting us. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is three years after legalization in this state. So it's just a it's just a nature of the industry, you know, and you have to be 
mentally prepared for that, emotionally prepared for that. And as a business owner, 100% you need to be financially prepared for that. I was just going to say, especially for those small businesses who are coming online with a social equity license and may not have the funding to be flexible with that kind of thing. I mean, what are they supposed to do? It's, it's a really great question. And, you know, we've been working with and mentoring um, some social equity license hold winners in other states. And, you know, as you guys know, Simone and I have written a lot of policy over the years um, for Cory Booker, for New Jersey's legalization program. A lot of that you see in the new bill that's being introduced by Schumer and Booker on just things that we talked about, like grants for social equity program winners and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this po- the general policy and the way these states are approaching that it's kind of like a, a system that is almost guaranteed to fail for the majority of social equity holders or winners because, to your point, it is just really impossible for them, right? Like, yes, you win this license. It seems like you just won the lottery, but in actuality, you just have a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. You have a piece of paper that says you have the right to start a cannabis business. Now what do you do? Right. Right? Like, you won a social equity license for a reason, you know, so realistically, you don't have access to huge amounts of capital. Realistically, you probably don't know much about cannabis. You've never worked or operated a cannabis business. You don't have a background in real estate. Um, talking with investors. Talking yeah. with investors, you know. Um, and knowing how to spot the ones who may be predatory, perhaps. Which there certainly are a ton of predatory ones, right? And we've seen that even in L.A., where organizations have been called out, where you know the contracts they've written basically allow them to take over a social equity license, winner's license for pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, so you see a lot of this type of stuff. And so it is really challenging, and it almost is like, you know, in Illinois now, they have a policy where the social equity license holders can pretty much just sell their license. And so, you know, you can argue both sides of that, right? Is it kind of like, okay, you won this, you have the right to sell it, is that better? But then are you really giving them the opportunity to build jobs and create an industry and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, this is it's hard, you know, and for for traditional operators in the space, it's difficult because the way these social equity contracts and stuff like that are written, it's really hard to forge partnerships, mm-hmm. you know, because the worlds are just too different. Right. And and, you know, to make a, a, a successful, sustainable business. It's just, it's really challenging. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, you know, I was recently at a, a cannabis jobs fair and there was a wonderful panel with several license holders. Some of them were social equity uh, license winners and mo- everyone on the stage had been incarcerated and they were all talking about, you know, how the, these predatory investors are really something to worry about and how the number one thing is that you need to hold on to that license because it is the most valuable thing. But then how does someone who has a license like that find the capital? Can they come to you? To, who can they look to to really guide them? Yeah. So, I mean, they certainly can come to us, right? Um, if they know who we are, you know, Satya Capital or anything like that, they can definitely come to us. Um, for advice, for mentorship. And, you know, obviously we would have a discerning eye. You know, we're not just going to invest in every opportunity or every kind of social equity holder. At the end of the day, the deal has to make sense. The deal terms have to make sense. And as you guys know, the majority of cannabis businesses, whether traditional or social equity, end up failing. Mm -hmm. So the social equity aspect only complicates it, right? So, you know, again, going back to a state like Illinois, 
they're issuing something like in this first round, like 100 licenses with more to come. But then there's a six-month window that if you don't show material progress, you could lose your license. Hmm. So that's it's good because it keeps the ball moving forward. But is six months a realistic timeline for someone that has no experience, no network, no contacts, doesn't know where to start? They're going to be Googling keywords for those first six months <laughs> to exactly. like learn what definitions are. And, and to your point, it opens up this environment where if you're a predator, you're just kind of like, you know, rubbing your hands together, being like, wow, there's a ton of opportunity here. Yeah. Especially as you get closer to the end of the six months and people have this like frenzy to make something happen so they don't potentially lose their license. I mean, it takes me six months to unpack when I get back from a trip. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very short window. <laughs> oh, there's that shirt. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, talking about Golden State then, mm -hmm. or a Golden State then, uh, what I love about what you're just saying about the overall picture and what a Golden State represents to me is not only are you putting your money where your mouth is, but you're putting your morals and your values where your mouth is also. So it's it's for me, it's kind of beyond reproach because I'm just like, yeah, but what about the environment? And you're like, we got that. And I'm like, yeah, but what about policy? It's like, we care about that. Like you care about big picture things that will keep this train moving in the right direction. And I just want to, it's not so much a question as much as a thank you, I guess. I know. I appreciate that, man. Like that, that means a lot. And like, you know, for people that don't know, we're, we're a minority owned cannabis business, right? Like there's not many in the cannabis industry, let alone many that are as commercially large as us and profitable, you know? And so it's kind of a unique situation to sit in. And as a, you know, um, person of color, a lot of these things are very near and dear to my heart and, and personal passions of mine, right? You know, and so what I've learned from my own journey in life or mentors or other business leaders I respect, like the founder of Patagonia, you can do all of these stuff and have a profitable company if you care to do this stuff, mm -hmm. right? It's not like you can't. So we made a decision day one that this stuff is core focus to us, just like producing the very best cannabis in the state is. And we're going to figure out a way to do both simultaneously. And that very much has been the mission of a golden state from inception to today. And, you know, whether it's this last election, we were giving, you know, 3% of our revenue to the ACLU to fight voter suppression. You know, just things are important, right? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we all love pot, and I think at the at the core value of pot is a very socially liberal, inclusive culture, and so I think it's important that all of us in this industry support that. Yeah, it's a it's a connector. It's a community of people who love the plant, and that's really important to remember. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about sustainability because from inception. A Golden State has been committed to it, and uh, you've continued that throughout all of your businesses. So can you just talk a little bit about that and what it means, especially in the cannabis industry right now? Yeah. Um, so for, you know, <laughs> I'm an obsessive skier, so climate change and the preservation of good snowfall is very important to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> but no, you know, whether it's the fact that we water all of our plants in the gardens with, you know, snow melt from Mount Shasta, which is the cleanest water source in California. We don't use any purification, no reverse osmosis. It comes right into the facility at 44 degrees, um, you know, and because you're getting this like mineral 
dense water, this enriched water, you see, you know, just these crazy colors that we're able to produce, right? And so we we care about that. That's a core ingredient to our cannabis. So, you know, our energy infrastructure is all hydroelectric. We're not on the power grid. Um, now, every business that we own under Sathya Capital, including a Golden State, all of our cultivations, our distribution company, Vantage Point, every single company is carbon neutral at this point. Um, all of our packaging is sustainably sourced, whether it's FSC or SFI certified. So 80% of our packaging is from, you know, um, recycled material. You know, we're not really focused on producing, you know, new paper waste. And on top of that, we've been funding, you know, uh, environmental projects all around the world, including here in the United States. Um, you know, we're, we're working to conserve about half a uh, 500 million acres in Northern California and the Pacific Northwest for deforestation um, to prevent against wildfires and then to produce more water, which will only help fight the droughts that we deal with here on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. uh, those fires were brutal this year. Did yeah. they Ruthless. affect your facilities? So, and it's a great question. And, you know, again, a lot of this is very near and dear to us because this year we have been fortunate, you know, knock on wood. But I can't, it was two years ago or three years ago when the car fire was there, it was, you know, a mile and a half, two miles from our facility in Shasta oh. Lake, you mm -hmm. know, and it's devastating, you know, mm -hmm. and just even as a business owner to, to feel that level of helplessness and just feel like, you know, you, you could just lose everything, right? And you can't stop this thing. And then, you know, every year since then, it's been the biggest fires that we've ever seen. And then the biggest fires that we've ever seen. So we're very sensitive to this stuff. And we, we, so everything we do, we try to give back to just help those around us. And I guess, you know, really have a communal approach to the business. When a, a, a cannabis brand approaches you about being an investor, uh, what do you look for in the company as far as sustainability goes or as far as their commitment to sustainability and environmental sort of impact? Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, like whether it's an individual investor, another company or another investment we're looking to make, core values have to align, right? And so things like we just talked about, sustainability, social justice, a focus on quality, you know, uh, is there inclusion or diversity in the workplace? You know, at our companies, it, you know, the majority of our management is actually female, you know, so it's just... Uh, we have a very like modern way of thinking about things. Um, and so we believe that, again, that's core to what I believe is cannabis. Like my experience as a cannabis consumer over the last 30 years of my life or whatever it's been, that's the influence it's had on me. It's been very positive, inclusive, socially liberal, you know. So I want to do deals like that and I want to work with people like that. And I think that's exactly what instantly made me connected to you two when we first met <laughs> so important Thank so you. important um also what's in your headphones when you're skiing uh anything from hip-hop reggae i love deep house yeah so, yeah okay yeah. cool like when when drum uh, and bass any drum and bass i can go drum and bass but i usually go more like 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 traditional deep house mm -hmm. you know nice Kind of, of tribal, rocks the rib kind cage. of yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. A little cool. Burning Man ass gets weird. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to dive into a little bit of like 
the nuance of yeah. what's in front of us here? I would love to talk about some of this because uh, I'm looking at a puzzle that is gorgeous, a beautiful picture of cool water over Mossbray Falls. So a Golden State has moved into making some accessories to go along with the cannabis that you produce, and it's so cool. I want to hear more about it. Yeah, well, so a lot of this came from the pandemic, right? We wanted it to keep people engaged. We needed ways to connect with our user base and market and everyone was inside and in lock lockdown and so we wanted to make it fun and also continue to destigmatize cannabis and you know show that you can be a respectable member of society and still smoke weed and so we wanted to create fun stuff for adults to do when they get high <laughs> and so we created a bunch of you know uh puzzles and uh, coloring books and other lots of fun stuff like that. And again, we're a very design-centric brand. Um, so all of this stuff has been very, you know, design has been at the core of it. And, you know, the coloring books and the puzzles, we use imagery that we've taken all over California and it's part of our marketing campaigns and stuff like that. I come from a puzzle family. You? Just so you know, yeah, <laughs> I, like we are a puzzle fam. And so this is so exciting because <laughs> I just sent my brother a puzzle for his birthday. Like, you're nailing it. <laughs> it's great. And uh, there's a candle line coming out as well. Yeah, so we have candles out now. Um, they're all infused with our own terpenes. Um, so they're terpenes taken from an actual strain of a Golden State. And then we have a series of candles. Um, so I think the one that we have in front of us is based off Sunbeam. And we actually have some Sunbeam in front of us. So it's got that, you know, bright citrus, orange, uh, limonene type smell. Um, it's invigorating, energetic, just refreshing. And we just thought, you know, again, it's a fun way to, A, educate people about terpenes, what they are, why they're important, you know, continue to educate the consumer base of, like, why are you getting high? What's affecting you? It's not just THC percent, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, again, create fun products that elevate and, you know, destigmatize what this is. What's it like to create a smell? It sounds so cool. Uh, like, it, to go work in a... Work in a smell like a perfumery. Yeah, kind of like thing? how was that process for you? It's really rad. Yeah, so I mean, first we we you know the process for us was deciding like you know what strains had the aromas we wanted to create um, from your flower, from our flower. Yeah, and so you know looking at terpenes, we wanted to determine like which terpenes are present in our in our strains that you know we thought would present the best, right? Like lavender, or we said limonene, you know. Um, People probably don't want like dank, dank, you know, like gassy. <laughs> you know, maybe they do, but like, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be at Target. Like, where, where's your gas section? Yeah, <laughs> <I> wouldn't work <laughs> out. <laughs> so, um, so once we determined that, then we partnered with a candle maker and just started kind of going through the extraction process, no different than you would making gummies or anything like that, mm -hmm. and then kind of highlighting the terpene profiles that we found within our strains within, you know, what. The other part is what we learned is not everything does well in the candle making process mm. or actually presents itself once put into wax. Like there could actually be like a change in that relationship and then you end up with a funky smell. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. So, yeah. So then there was a couple that worked really well and then those are the ones we kind of ran with. And now you're moving into extractions as well. Yeah. So this is exciting. Um, again, you know, it's the evolution of the brand, but for us, it's always focused on quality first, right? You know, whether it's the purity of our flower, the fact that our, all of our joints are whole flower all the time, only rolled in 100% organic hemp, finished by hand, because again, purity, taste, all of that stuff is important to us. 
our now we're focusing on um, solventless oil pens as well as uh, all natural vegan friendly gummy line and so both of those things are pretty much ready the packaging is done um, you know we have the solventless oil pen in front of us and they should be hitting the market you know sometime this quarter wow so is it a live rosin yeah pen? it's actually more akin to like a jelly sauce wow so Ooh. very very high-end um you know whole flour fresh frozen jelly sauce extract um into a custom pen that was basically curated to to have the best flavor profile as you pull you know so right wattage right amps etc and are the uh gummy strain specific or uh effect specific so um we're actually doing both so we're going to have strain specific and then non-strain specific Awesome. I am such a big fan of gummies for sleep right now. Mm -hmm. It is just everything. So I'm really excited to try those. Yeah. And we are too. And we just see, again, COVID being a factor of this. You know, you saw during the pandemic or, you know, I guess we're pretty much very still in the pandemic. But the data really showed that, you know, gummies shot up to the number two consumer class in the state, mm. you know. And so a lot of that, I think, is driven by people ne didn't necessarily want to consume, right? You know, when we have a respiratory virus running around. And then I think a lot of newcomers to cannabis also wanted a form that they were more comfortable with and gummies and edibles allow that for them. And so we kind of noticed that data. And so then for us, it was just pursuing, you know, forms that would allow people to partake and enjoy a golden state that didn't necessarily require combustion or vaporization. Well I know you just love weed. Like, I love I know, weed. Like, since, <laughs> since we met, it was like, man, this dude loves weed. And so when you have a vision like this pen and you're ready to make the move on that, how are you doing a deep dive into like, what, what do I love? What's my checklist? Like, how are you having discussions with different types of people to get across what you know you want to make sure that they understand what you want too? I mean, we work with a very small group of trusted kind of team members at this point. Um, a lot of market research goes into it. Obviously, you know, I kind of look at my flavor palette. What would I use? What am I missing? You know, I kind of hold myself to a pretty high standard. You know, I don't want to be using products that are crappy or products that I don't trust or products that don't have transparency to them, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the starting point. And then from there, then it's like, okay, flavor profile, effect, design. And then if my team can't take it all the way to the finish line, you know, for example, with the vape pen, we needed a vape pen manufacturer. So we very much wanted to find the best person, someone that could allow us to customize a device and someone who we could really show like test results and the burning you know, levels and flavor profiles, and then they could reverse engineer a pen for us that would complement the type of oil that we are producing. And I would even go as far as to talk about the heft. Like, mm -hmm. I love the heft the way, and the yeah. tip on that. Like, mm -hmm. it's so pleasing. Yeah, and so that was something we took into account, right? Like, I just didn't feel like a plastic tip really kind of complemented the experience. You know, flavor, just the weight in your mouth, how it feels, presentation, and so things like that. Even when we did our joints, I mean, we taste tested um, so many types of papers from around the world, so many tips, shapes of tips, you know, spirals, zigzag, like all types of crazy stuff, diameter of joints, you know, all of this, because at the end of the day, it all affects the smoke. And then we ended up going with the ones we went ended up choosing because we felt that it only complemented the cannabis, did not take anything away, 
at the same time, 100% organic hemp. So we like the kind of sustainability and the, the healthiness of it as well. What are your feelings about distillate? Um, I think there's a place for it in the market. I think as we continue to move forward, we will continue to move away from distillate and more, you know, as people become more informed, more transparency about what they put into their body, I think we'll continue to go closer to solventless. Yeah. Agreed and also happy to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to the day when nobody's trying to give me a distillate pen. <laughs> yeah. The problem is it's like I think there's still a lot of price sensitivity. And I think for, you know, the can a curious customer, if you want to call them that, when they go into a dispensary and they see a bunch of edibles for 20 bucks and then they see edibles for 45 bucks, they don't necessarily understand the difference that one is, you know, um, solventless, live raw, and created, and one is a distillate based product. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's 10 milligrams, it gets me high, it tastes pretty good, 20 bucks, you know? So I think it will take some time for those, that kind of space to close. Absolutely. Yeah, I do, it does make sense in the edibles world, especially I think if you're a smaller company with, with not a lot of money to source distillate is just easier. Totally makes sense. Way yeah. easier. And then yeah. what if you like your distillate brand blows up and then you can take that money and like put it towards maybe a better product? Well, like what a great yeah. like, opportunity. I mean, use. I do see some brands that started with distillate and they've moved now towards solventless. So yeah, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what about like 20 years from now, I know you, I bet you have a hundred year plan. What am I saying? I bet you got like a, like a generation, generation, generation plan at this point. Maybe not, but I feel like you, you think big and then you, um, within those big moments, you have bullet points of how to get there. So what's, what's the future looking like? Um, you know, we're excited, man. I think we're really focusing on expansion into other states right now. So there's a couple states that I'm working on. Um, we're working on creating more brands outside of a golden state as well. Um, because again, I've always believed that the premium cannabis experience should be something that everyone can participate in and you shouldn't be excluded based off price. And I do recognize that a golden state is a pricier brand because of what goes into it and the quality, but there's opportunity for us to create other brands without sacrificing quality. And there's ways for us to bring the cost down. And so it's expanding our offering from a brand portfolio. It's expanding into other states, you know, 20 years from now, I think we should have legalization, right? So I very much think there's going to be a demand for California product to be shipped, you know, across state lines into other places, which would make our expansion a lot easier. You know, one of the things we struggle with is if somebody brings me a licensing deal and they're like, hey, we really want to bring a golden state to Oklahoma or Ohio, there's no way that I can guarantee the quality right mm -hmm. like that's a major is it because of travel and and regulation state to state that it's gonna muck up your like yeah the problem is it's like we couldn't ship product right so whatever we do would have to be done in their home state I see. and so if we don't have total control of that infrastructure and our team there and all of our genetics and our sops there's always a room for slippage and then a decline in quality mm -hmm. right and so it's easier for other brands to potentially do that. For us, it's definitely a hurdle. So I think for oh, in a 20 year plan, hopefully legalization happens before 20 years or at least transportation across state lines. And that would allow us to continue to expand and push and you know, share what we do so well here in California with people in other states without having to build an infrastructure from the ground up. Because as you guys know, A, it's costly. You know, it's some of these states, it's hard to win licenses and then it doesn't always guarantee 
a sound business, right? Because every state is different. Taxes mm-hmm. are different. Operating costs are different. Yeah. Growing conditions are different. The exactly. genetics that are available to you are different. It's, yeah, it's state to state. Yeah. Well, we've talked so much about weed. We got to talk a little bit about grub before we go. How has <laughs> how has your pandemic been? Have you been cooking a lot at home? Have you been experiencing like new ways to make your mouth happy? <laughs> yeah. No. So I, I I don't know if we talked about this last time, but my wife is uh, like a recreational chef. So I've been spoiled in the fact that she's been working from home, obviously during the pandemic, and has had time to jump back into you know, her culinary skills, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I've been spoiled and I've been eating well. Um, You know, we've been, it's been nice to just kind of be at home and cooking a lot of meals together and not being on airplanes and traveling and, you know. um, What about vegetables? Are you a fan? Love vegetables. Really? Love vegetables. Okay. I need greens, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you not like vegetables? I'm growing to love them because I'm eating so many of them right now. I'm like, ah, it's not so bad. Like, (laughs) that's all right. It's not as good as a, you know. frozen pizza but right (laughs) no i love vegetables i think especially moving to california from the east coast from new york um however many years ago now my appreciation for good produce has dramatically changed like Mm -hmm. i just love good fruits i love good vegetables and the fact that you can just get them you know so fresh so prime is just incredible here yeah yeah. I mean, there are avocados and bananas growing on my block. It's crazy. I'm from Newfoundland where it's like seals and icebergs. So this, this place is nuts. <laughs> seals just sliding down the street. Yeah. I, I got an avocado on my desk right now. Just a whole avocado for a snack later. How so lucky are I we? appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Wait, are you going to hit it with like a sprinkle of salt? What's Or just go like spoon in? I might just go spoon in, man. You know, yes. just get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, other than that, I mean, we've just now, you know, once things kind of opened up a little bit, here in California we've definitely been trying to support our favorite local restaurants you know it's been we live at the beach in Venice and it's been hard to see some places shut down that we've been going to for 10 years Mm. so like when we can order in and do stuff like that we've definitely been trying to do that I have one more question yeah and it's it's uh, selfish but I don't care Um, also a selfish sentence to say Jesus Christ Mike just say it Uh, (laughs) how do you deal with the disappointment how do you deal with the like we are moving full steam ahead this feels like it's gonna happen and then skirp something just explodes like how do you how do you move with the times and handle the moments that don't work the way you need them to i get high man (laughs) (laughs) and we're out thanks uh, everybody that's a wrap (laughs) (laughs) but no i guess it's like I don't know, man. I try to have a really positive, healthy mindset, just knowing that that, that shit happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And whether it's like, yes, smoking weed or meditating or things like that. Um, I particularly am really into like guided journeys, mm. you know, um, I'm, I'm a believer of psychedelics and stuff like that. So I think I just try to constantly invest in myself so that I can sustain the ups and downs, whether it be business or life and just kind of maintain like a positive vibration and just know that some days are going to be great and some days are going to be shitty but like if i'm working on myself to maintain that positive vibration it will allow me to sustain it and just kind of get through whatever gets thrown at me man do you do public speaking Mm-mm. do you get asked you don't are I you do, interested well, in it i do i mean for the for the cannabis industry i do right yeah. um uh conferences and you know i definitely talk in a lot of town halls and stuff like that i think again being a person of color as states look to open up and if we're looking to go to those states i definitely try to put myself in you know um 
inner city communities, minority communities, because a lot of times that's where Simone and I want to open businesses because we care about creating jobs and stuff like that. You know, like in Jersey, we're, we're trying to open up in Newark. Um, and so in those places, I really try to public speak just because I think the community can make a personal connection to me and trust what I'm saying and identify that like, I get what their concerns are. I, I get some of the things they're saying, you know, and I don't look like everybody else that's come in there and said, hey, we want to open a weed shop here or we want to open a weed business here, you know? So in instances like that, I definitely try to put myself out there. And then any opportunity to just get out there and like promote this industry, I'm always down to do that. 100%, 100%. Well, it's so good to catch up with you. And I feel like this could be the beginning of a series where Weed and Grub just catches up with you every like certain amount of time, like once every mm -hmm. 18 months or something to get a state of uh, the cannabis 100%. check in with you. Yeah. I, I think we still have to get you guys to do a podcast from the cultivation. Oh my gosh. Would love to. Yes. When you were talking about snow melt, from there, I was picturing myself with an armful of Brettas, and I was just like <laughs> scooping water to take back to my fridge. I would love to come by. Yes, that, <laughs> that would be, be amazing to visit the facility. Yeah, I would. It would for, jokes aside, firsthand, it would be remarkable to see like what you've created. Let's do it. Because the flower is so fire. We were talking before this. Um, before we get into your plugs, I just want to shout out Lava Flower. Lava Flower. Ooh, it's good. It's huge good. fan. It's strong. Yeah. Be warned, people. It's strong. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, uh, please share everywhere that everyone can find you, the things that you're most excited about so that we can add them to the show notes and then people are aware of what's going on. Yeah. Well, thank you guys again for having me. Um, you know, you can find us uh, at Satya Capital, um, a golden state, um, and our distribution company is Vantage Point Distribution. So give us a shout out. Check us out on Instagram. Um, and, you know, we appreciate all of your support. Thank you, guys. Amazing. We'll see you, uh, see you in the mountains next time, hopefully. Sure. I'd love to have open invite. Yes. Nice. Oh, man. A little Bluetooth, some deep house. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us at Weed and Grub on Instagram. WG at Weed and Grub is our email. Uh, hit us up in the DMs. Hit us up in the email and talk to you again soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks.